0: People, welcome to the Down With Us podcast, a space where we raise the consciousness of our people through debate and intense conversations on current events and hot topics. We break down the issues and make it plain so that your grandmother can understand. The topics we cover, will encourage you to discuss what you do and don't agree with. No BS. At the dinner table, the cookout, on the golf course, at the gym, barbershop, spas, nail shop, and even the spade table. Down With Us Podcast keeps it 100 all day, every day. We are about the movement of consciousness, focused on spreading knowledge for change Activism and self-love, as we are unapologetically in support of the Black and Brown communities. Come on, people, let's be a part of the solution. 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 Welcome to Down, Down, with Down with Us with your host Dave Rudder. Now let's get it popping, popping, popping. Well,
1: everybody, I'd like to welcome you to the Down with Us podcast. Um, our inaugural kickoff. We have Dr. Hill with us, which we're very excited. So without a further ado, Dr. Hill, let me do my introduction to you. Dr. Tony Hill is a tenured associate professor at Springfield College's School of Social Work and Behavioral Sciences here in Springfield, Mass. Dr. Hill has an extensive experience in both the fields of social work, education, and has been employed as a clinician, a, social, a school social worker and assistant principal, a principal and a college administration administrator. Dr. Hill currently works with the Springfield Public Schools and the 100 Males to College Initiative. He's also formed a collaboration with Springfield College's student body called the Men of Excellence and increasing opportunities for men of color to access higher education and excel academically as well as socially and emotionally. We believe Dr. Hill's experience provides him with a unique perspective in working with organizations in addressing ways to improve education, staff, morale, multiculturalism, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Dr. Hill, it is a pleasure to have you here with us tonight. And our topic we're going to be discussing is healthy black male masculinity. And what does that look like? So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, brothers. Good to be here. Excellent. And my fellow co-hosts on the panel are Kenny Briscoe in the white shirt and Tim Butler in the black vest. So welcome, brothers, to you guys as well. So, Dr. Hill, one of the things- Wait, 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 Dave, hold
2: on, hold on. I just, I know this is a podcast, but- that was an amazing introduction you gave Tony, and we got white shirt and
1: black vest. That was utterly ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. recognize, uh, I recognize uh, that this okay. is the first podcast, but damn. Okay. Like, uh, okay, my fault. See, this is why I know I hate to give me what the two sentences I need to get on YouTube. See, this is what I talk about. See, see, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is all right. Was just, so let it was me. Beyond, let me go that was beyond disrespectful. So all right. So the president. All right. So let <laughs> me go. All right. Let me do this. All right. Okay. So, hold on. Okay. I can, oh. I, can, I can. I can. clean this up. Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm oh not my. even sure. I'm not even sure he introduced himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I introduced myself. If you're absolutely right, I don't think I introduced myself. So okay. Oh my Very god. Very good. All right. So thank you. So introductions <laughs> of the panel. I can do with that. All right. Introductions of the panel um i am david rudder i am the founder of down with us i am also an academic as well i am the uh i do a lot of stuff what the hell what do i need to say about myself i guess i i don't need to go into a long trial by myself but hold on it ain't new your 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 three or four sentences (laughs) that's right that's exactly right so yeah so here we go we do it this way all right thank you so i'm david rudder i'm the co i'm the founder of am down with us the brain trust other members i will introduce momentarily i am i'm an academic Uh, my my phd is in urban affairs and public policy analysis um i currently uh i am the associate dean for the school of social work and behavioral sciences and the chair of the department of human services and it's a pleasure to be here with you tonight one of my fellow co-hosts is kenny briscoe who is the president of a6 media coming to us from wilmington delaware and next to him is tim butler also coming from Delaware, and Tim is the Vice President of Global Initiative. Uh, what? The, oh, goddamn! No. What, head, head of Global Customer Experience at Iron Mountain. Thank you. He is the head of Vice President of Global Experience. Say it again, Tim. Introduce yourself again.
3: Say head of, goal, of Global Customer Experience
1: at Iron Mountain. Head of Global Experience at...
2: at... Global Customer Experience at Iron Mountain.
1: Global customer experience at, high,
2: at Iron. What, what is Iron? Iron. It's Iron Mountain.
1: Iron. You <laughs> said your PhD was in what, Dave? Global. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put in the chat for you. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh. Work with me. It's hot as it's hot as anything. I can't believe they ain't got the air on up in here. They want us to be back here in the college, and they don't got the air on. All right, give it to me in the chat so I can read it appropriately. Your title, thank you. And Tony, thank you for being with us, my man, as you know how it goes. Okay. And our final co-host is Tim Butler, also from Delaware. Tim is the head of Global Customer Experience at Iron Mountain. Thank you also for being part of our discussion. So let's, let's get this started. So there's three questions we ask all of our guests to come in and talk about. So Dr. Hill, you're stranded on an island and you get to bring
4: three albums with you. What three albums would you bring? Oh man, I got to bring Mary J Blige. So Mary J Blige, real love, real love I oh, know okay. my life. Um I also got to bring Will Downing. Okay. You want them and, smooth, uh, you
2: want them smooth dudes.
4: Yeah, yeah, I got to bring Will Downing. I knew Will when he had hair, you know, so that goes way back, you know. <laughs> and then we have uh I got to bring my Gospel. So I got to bring Yolanda Adams, The Battle's Not Yours, Donnie McClurkin. Great is your mercy, Fred Hammond's blessed, and uh, Moret Brown Clark, uh, just want to praise you. So I got to have my gospel, got to have my R&B, queen of hip hop soul, and also brother Will, Will Downing. so the no, gospel you know, you know, one album? This, I just want to get that straight because you add you, you
1: listed like he, he, he went with a mixtape, yeah, yeah. He went with a mixtape on the that <laughs> compilation, that was a compilation, Christian mixtape, that was a compilation, a compilation. Okay, very good. All right, second question we got for you is what was your favorite junk food as a kid?
4: Oh man, they had the, the hostess honey Buns. Um, uh, the hostess you know, honey you know they got
2: pork in them, right? <laughs> okay. A lot of people don't know that. They got pork in them. But go ahead. Uh,
4: uh, uh, cheese doodles and uh, the Susie Q's. Those wow. are OK. You all know right. he,
2: has, he has for one.
1: He has for oh. one. Yeah, real, yeah, yeah, he's not good at directions. I mean, we, we know there's a consistent pattern here. I just want you to know it, it applies in all things with Dr. Hill. He doesn't really follow directions. All and right. the final question we have to kick us off that we get a little know a little bit more about you
4: is who is your favorite relative and why? um i had an uncle amos and uncle amos was an outstanding basketball player in fact in this area he won the the best uh basketball player in this region and uh one thing i liked about uncle amos is that he took time with me but as a, as when i was a kid but the thing about amos was i thought he was lying because he'd said i'd have 35 points 20 rebounds I'm like this guy lying but then when i met people in the community they said no he was the real deal But the interesting part about him was that he he was uh, addicted to alcohol when he was a teenager and his name was Amos and they called him Famous Amos and uh, he never, ever reached his potential. So thankfully I had, you know, my grandmother had 10 kids. So I had an aunt who said, Hey, listen, you can play sports all you want, but you got to get an education. You got to get a backup plan. But, but I loved Amos because he he was fierce, you know, and uh, the things that he would talk about were, were intense. But uh, I really like him because he really spent time with me.
1: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. We appreciate that, good brother. So our topic tonight is healthy Black masculinity. What does that look like? We want to give you a couple minutes just to be able to freestyle with us about this topic. Why is it important and why are you talking about it?
4: Well, I think when you're talking about healthy uh, Black masculinity, I think that as a Black man, you're dealing with racial trauma. So just being a black man in society, I would encourage you if you haven't seen it already to look at this video clip uh, called The Look on YouTube. And it's The Look by Procter and Gamble. And basically what it looks at is the microaggressions that black men face, you know? So, so folks re- looking at you, uh, this being anxious, uh, 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 being viewed as a criminal uh, being viewed as not as a human so being dehumanized and it's always ongoing so really when you think about black healthy masculinity is how do you take care of yourself and how do you exist in the world that seems to subjugate you seems to oppress you and not see your humanity okay
1: so so as you define do you so le- let's talk about images you have of healthy Black masculinity, when you think about images that are out there for general discourse for, for us to consume, what do you what do you think of? I think of, I guess, what came to me right away was the Bill Cosby, was the Cosby show. And clearly his role of being a father would be an idea of healthy masculinity. Would that be an example of a definition of healthy masculinity? I want to
4: operationalize it. I think this narrative of Black men in very pejorative, you know, but, you know, but so I believe that many, As on this panel today, you got some positive brothers doing some great things, but that's not the uh, predominant theme or norm or expectation that people have of black men. So I think that there are many men who are involved and active in the lives of their children. I think there are men who are really exceeding and excelling, but, but you wouldn't get that through the media and you wouldn't get that through music um, or through movies or through the arts. So, so I really think that we really need to champion uh, uh, black fathers, uh, uh, black men, professional men, working class men, all men who are contributors uh, uh, to the community. Uh, there's a quote that I really, really like, if I can say that, am I allowed to say that? There's a quote by uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins And I think this really extends to how do we uh, uh, train our youth and how do we prepare our our, our children uh, uh, for adulthood. And and Dr. Boyce Watkins said, I'll be damned if I'm going to sit and watch our kids continue to grow up believing that it's cool to be ignorant, violent, high, drunk, broke, uneducated, and lazy. We must critically assess the music we love and let artists know that we will no longer tolerate the mass promotion of ideas that are hell bent on destroying our kids. So, so I think that as black men, we have to stand in the gap. We also have to be cognizant of the forces that seek to derail us, that seek to pull us down and I think this space right here really speaks to the importance. Uh, Brother Ken talked earlier about accountability partners. You know, so this issue of having other black men to be there to lean on, support. You know, uh, <clears throat> also talking about healthy masculinity. What does it mean to be a man? So this issue of don't cry, uh, don't show emotions, uh, be strong, man up act like a man. Um, so, so this issue of what does it mean to be a man, don't show any weaknesses, don't show any vulnerabilities, the question is, at what cost? So I think we need to create spaces where we can really be real, where we can talk, have frank discussions, and also realize that we need support, we need assistance, we need help. So I think that's very valuable.
1: Roger that. That makes a lot of sense. So so tell me, you deal with young men who are high school age in the college. What do you see as their biggest challenge in being successful? You know, you, you interact with them on a day-to-day basis. Tim has a young son that's about to be a freshman in college as well. I, I want to know if what you see is something he can
4: relate to and what his son will go through. Well, the issue is there's a box um, and there's an organization out in New York called A Call to Men. And uh, basically what is talk about there's a man box. And what happens if you don't act like a man or what the preconceived notions of a man are? Again, some of them I mentioned earlier are don't express your emotions, mm-hmm. uh, don't, uh, 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 don't express any emotions except for one, which is anger, which leads to rage. Mm-hmm. Um, just this issue of being tough, Um, this issue of, uh, being athletic, you know, this issue of material items, this issue of being a womanizer, um, you know, so, so this issue, we have to really look at how do we sort of open up the perspective of being a male and being able to ask for help, being able to recognize that you can exist outside of the box.
1: right? So let me ask you a question. So the Kenny and Tim both have both
4: have sons who are
1: both graduating, about to start college. What do you see as their dominant images when you think about how they're defined in their own identity as men? What what comes to mind for you guys as as fathers of young boys of young men?
2: Ah, uh, well, <clears throat> it's Kenny. It's interesting, right? So my son went to predominantly white schools, right? So I come from a different uh, foundation of what a black man is supposed to be, right? as opposed to what he's kind of experienced through his journey through elementary, all the way through grade school. Um, so, you know, I try to instill some of the, the more generic things, right? Like honesty, integrity, um, responsibility, discipline, you know, some of those values that, you know, are kind of spread across the board. When we talk about it, not just a good man, but a good person in general. But I've also tried to, and this could be from my own trauma, tried to kind of literally seed him with understanding that as a black man, of course he faces different challenges, right? the the crazy part is that he hasn't seen those challenges yet right just really because of the circles that he runs in so it's almost like i'm preaching this story to him that isn't quite accurate um so it's a little challenging because i know eventually when the real world presents itself he needs to at least have some experience and conversation about these things that are possible even though he hasn't directly experienced them yet um so you know but i i had a question with how you know who holds the blueprint you know, for what a man is? Because, you know, we, the community has so many different definitions and everyone has their own definition when it comes to what a successful black man is. Some good, some bad. You know, how do we, how do we create a, a narrative? How do we create a blueprint? How do we create a structure that all black men, black mothers, black families can align what a black man should be against?
4: I think that's a great question. And I think what you're speaking to is socialization. So how are boys socialized to be boys, how are girls socialized to be girls, you know, and I think just frankly, it's tough being a kid nowadays, you know, so we can look back on our experience now. But when you think about social media, you think about the reality shows, you think about the pressures that our children are experiencing now at such early and early ages. You know, we can talk about the challenges we had, but, you know, we didn't have Wi-Fi. We didn't have our cell phones 24-7. So this issue and this pressure to want to fit in. Um, So so answering your question, I think it's socialization of what it means to be a good uh, black man. And I think also, I think it's very important, uh, I I like to tell a story. And uh, there was this uh, father who was taking his five year old son uh, to the doctor to get a shot. So you can tell that this father really loved his son. They were joking, but when it came time to get a shot at four and five years old, he said, I want you to act like a man. And when he got a shot, his son cried and his father, told him, don't cry, and he was laughing and what have you. And, and then <clears throat> the nurse also joined in and said, don't cry, you're okay, you're okay. And I just want us to think about what would happen if that was a girl. And in this case, it was a father, but it could have been a mother as well. in giving a very powerful message of as a man, as a boy, transitioning to a man, males don't cry. Males don't show emotion. So here he is at four years old. That's a very powerful message. But then what happens when he's 10? What happens when he's 13, 15, 19, 21? So so they're bombarded with these messages about what it means to be a male. In this case, it was the father, but but it could have been the mother as well. And what was interesting, too, was the father said, him, now, I want you to act like a man. Say I'm a man and his five-year-old boy so think about the pressures of being a child not even allowed to be a child anymore and this is an issue when we think about issues of race and our children in schools and growing up they're not allowed they can't make the same mistakes so kenny as you were talking about trying to prepare him for aspects of society uh basically we got to say hey listen you're going to interact with the police and this is you better put your hands on the wheel you better make any sudden movements You know, because we know that in some communities, the police are there to protect and serve, but we are seen as a threat. So we have to prepare our children ahead of time with that talk and saying, listen, I don't care what your white friends do. Uh, uh, They can run up on the police. They can do things. But as a black man, uh, black male, black female, you're viewed as a threat. So I got to prepare you beforehand on how you need to exist in this society.
1: So, Tim, jump in. What are your thoughts about, as you're raising TJ and he's going off, as as you think about defining what masculinity and how he defines himself as a man, what comes up for you?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, our focus has been less around, you know, this is what a man does, this isn't what a man does, and, and more about, you know, evolving into uh, a thinking person, right? Like, so – our conversations have been more around judgment, responsibility, uh, self-respect, things of of, of that sort. And he's going into a bit of a a different situation because they're paying his tuition to play a sport, right? Like, so even though it's, you know, considered amateurism and, you know, He's a student, and he needed. He need not worry about you know being a professional things of like that sort. I disagree with that, right? I think that you know, <clears throat> you're going to a sub Ivy to play football. You essentially make sixty grand a year, right? Uh, and you need to govern yourself accordingly, right? So our conversation is really about don't get fired, right? Don't do things to get fired, right? Uh, because if that happens, in your whole situation changes. Gotcha. So so that's kind of what we've been talking about. But I, I, I had a follow-up question to uh, what Dr. Hill was just saying as well. Uh, going back to that analogy about uh, with the five-year-old and getting the needle and not crying, how do you balance uh, the, the message and the perspective that you shared about allowing a child to be a child without compromise to the other side of that equation, which in my opinion is about having healthy coping skills, not seeking attention, um, not necessarily, uh, you know, and being able to react and and handle a situation with the appropriate amount of emotion, right? I think the other thing that plagues our community um, is the over-pacification of young black males. So when they are, when they do face adversity, they don't have coping skills. Like that's a, that's where a lot of the violence and pent up aggression comes from, uh, because they have been, you know, pat pat on the back, okay. so much, or told that it's going and things of that sort.
4: Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Um, and and I would say, Tim, is that by not allowing men to express their emotions and their feelings other than anger and rage then that's where that violence comes through so, okay. so for this boy not to be able to cry I mean that hurt you know yeah. that shot hurt and yeah. for them the yeah. father to say i want you to act like a man suppress your emotions don't that builds over time
3: you know so, and i absolutely agree that that's the extreme yes um
4: yeah so i was
3: more asking yes. about where's the balance right because you also don't want you know you want you you understand that again? sticking with that example that you know something may happen and it, the the needle hurt, right? But uh, how do we also use that as an opportunity to let the the child know, like, hey, that hurt, but it's temporary.
4: Yeah. You're gonna be okay, bud. Tim, I think right? I think you're onto something, man. Because I think in our quest uh, to not have our children experience the knocks and the bruises and the hardships that we've experienced. Yeah we gave them presents, we gave them these items. So yeah. our children now, they're like, you owe me this generation of a sense of entitlement. So, you know, I mean, I had a paper route when I was eight or nine years old. Now, who would have, you know, wh- what parent, you know, so so I think as parents.
2: I had one when I was six, just so you know. <laughs> Don't you think
4: you're by yourself in this grind out here?
1: <laughs> I, I was a teenager when I had mine. I didn't have one so young. I was a teenager when I had my
4: paper. <laughs> but, but the issue is, in our quest to want to uh, uh, be there for our children and not have our children experience what we've experienced, yeah. we're undercutting them and we're not allowing them to obtain a good work ethic of hard work because now they're like hey you owe me this dad you know you're supposed to do this for me why do i need to work so so i think those struggles that we've experienced helped us be who we are and help to give us that drive and passion. You know, so now we may have a level of success now, but we knew what it meant to be in poverty, to not have or to struggle. And now that shaped us who we are. And we tried to shortcut our kids in saying, I don't want my kids to struggle like I have, but they don't have that foundation of hard work and they think there's a sense of entitlement. So I hear you. It has to be a balance. Can,
2: can I, so I, I just gonna touch on something. Um so I, when you said earlier, you know, they have Wi-Fi, the internet, things of that nature, I've, I kind of went through that when I was a little bit younger. But then I realized, I mean, every generation has its challenges, right? And, and as a parent, I can't blame the kid for having access for why they're not getting the values that I may have gotten. And I think it's incumbent upon the parent to be responsive to the times to be able to address those issues specifically as well. Um, so well, I guess what I—that was one part. The other thing I wanted to ask you: is, So, what would you tell, you know, the folks that are listening to this? Where where could a man start, or 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 parents start, when it comes to establishing some some legitimate, valuable narratives around masculinity for their for their son?
4: Well, one thing I would say, and I think we've said it already, but but tying into what we just talked about is that we have to be parents. We have to set limits. We can't be friends with our kids. You know, too right. so many times you see parents living their life through their kids you know but we got to set boundaries we have to say no kids can't get everything that they want so we have to just say no and and that's the end of it so you see too many parents trying to be friends with their kids to answer your question ken i i think you're right on and and you said it earlier when you talked about your son about i think tim talked about it as well and when you talked about you want to build a character and responsibility and have your young men be respectful. Because when we're talking about masculinity, basically society is telling uh, uh, black people that black men or men in general as well, that in order for your value and worth as a man is how many women that you have. So being a player, you know, I'll share this funny, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm in my 40s, you know, and and basically I've worked with these college kids, you know, and no matter how young I think, I'm, I'm 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 outdated. I'm a dinosaur. So so these young men are talking about body count. You know, what's your body count? What's your body? And I was like, man, these kids are in college, what are they talking about? Body count? You know, they done killed somebody, and but they're talking about sexual partners. Right. So so I think also what we need to also be mindful of uh is is what's the lingo, you know. And, and no matter how cool you think you are or how much you can relate, I think we need to know what our children are listening to, what our children are watching on TV, and that will help inform us. And then we sort of listen to them, talk to them, but we sort of push them to not only listen to the beat, but what lyrics are being promoted that they're listening to on an ongoing basis. Gotcha. Just real quick, uh, uh, men's worth and value, Uh, Unfortunately, it's being viewed by how many women they have, whether they're athletic, whether they're strong, uh, size. um, And this issue, we have to really address this, this issue of it's not being cool to be smart. It's not being cool, you know, and truth be told, I'm sure you all have heard it, that if you are smart and you're answering questions and you're getting straight A's, you're trying to be white. So you're not even a true brother because you're getting straight A's, and, and you're excelling academically. So, so we got to stem that. And one way I stem that with the young people is like, how many people uh, want a house and, and a car, and, and nice clothes, and live in a nice neighborhood, and not struggle, and have money in their pocket? their kids raise their hand, you know? And I say, hey, listen, not many people grow up and say, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be a crackhead. You know, or when I grow up, you know, I, I want to be homeless. You know, I want to be drug addicted. So, so we got to counter that narrative with young people of really uh, a, a black excellence and really highlighting uh, uh, brothers and sisters who are doing positive things to, to improve our community. Last but not least, so promoting this black excellence. And then last but not least, them thinking that their money, that their power, that their fame, that material items, that's what makes them a man. But, but we're saying, it's all about your character. It's how you treat people. It's about your compassion. It's about your integrity. Who are you when nobody's looking, you know? And, and someone is always looking. And the example that we set for young people is that, you know, people don't care how much you know, but they know how much you care. And, and people are following you, you know, whether you know it or not, but people are not only following you, but they're patterning their life after you.
1: Mm-hmm. Good job.
4: So let me. Jump oh, I'm sorry. All right.
1: So let me jump in here with a question. So, as we talk about this definition of manhood, and I think one of the things we've talked about as well is parents having to be parents. And we know for a lot of young men, they're growing up in single parent families. They're growing up where their mothers are feeling a sense of guilt because fathers are not being there. They're having to do this and they give a lot more to their kids as a result of it. And, and they're actually. They're keeping the nipple too long in a young man's mouth, in my opinion, and to the extent that having to build that level of independence, it doesn't take place at an earlier stage. So what conversation do we need to be having as it relates to mothers who are out there and raising boys and don't have a necessary father figures or male figures in that young man's life to help give him some perspective and conversation?
4: How do, we, how do we grapple with that? One thing I'll say is boys need their father, and I'll also say girls need their father. So when you think about girls you know, looking for love in all the wrong places, so so, it, it, it's so large to deal with when you're talking about why the black man isn't in a home in large f- uh, places. And I'm not one that's saying that women cannot raise a man to be successful in life. So I'm not one to say those. However, boys and girls need fathers or father figures. So. I don't care, and I think someone talked about this too, the pacification or the feminization of, of men, men going on. So when I'm talking about being healthy masculinity, I'm not talking about being homophobic, I'm not talking about being sexist or abusive in any ways, but there's some positive, that's why we're talking about healthy masculinity and not toxic masculinity. Because when you start talking about toxic masculinity, people think, man, I'm male, that's something I should be ashamed of, I can't be a male. So there's many positive aspects of being a male. Um, so, So I think that we need to, realize that having a male presence, so maybe the biological father is not involved, but there must be a coach. There must be a, a minister. There must be a teacher, uh, a, a college student, you know, and that's the beauty of what we've done with, with hundred males to college uh, on campus is that we look at these young men, many of them from first generation uh, college students, and we paired them with other young men. Uh, at the high school, and they were able to hear four or five years removed. So, so I think that's the answer, Rudder, is saying you need a male perspective. Not that it's better, that, that it's superior, but but both males and females need that male perspective. And w- w- what's really, really harmful is if the parents need to get to the point where no matter what happened to the relationship that I still have to raise this child. So I might be mad at the demise of the relationship about what happened. However, if I'm a child and I look like my dad and my dad's not around, and then is my mom, since I'm there every day, is she taking it out on me because of the demise of the relationship? So we really got to get to the, point of partnerships with mom and dad say, listen, the relationship is gone. We can't do nothing with the relationship, but let's sort of step ahead and let's work in the best interest of our child because the child didn't ask to come here. All right.
3: That's a, that's a good point, Dr. Hill for, for any, any, any male, any man listening to this podcast who may be in a blended family situation or he is outside of the uh, or he's sharing custody with, with with the mother and they're no longer together. What advice or what are some techniques that 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 guy can use to uh, ensure that his positive influence is still happening uh on, on his son or daughter?
4: One thing, you know, as I, I as I advance in age, I'm realizing that children don't stay young forever, you know? So, so I think that no, as much as you can, you have to be involved with your children. And uh, I got a good friend of mine, uh, Kevin Green, and he runs the uh, organization called Seeds of a Father. And one of his taglines is presence, being present over presence of giving material item. So, so fathers need to actively be engaged uh, in the child rearing of their children, whether they're in a relationship with the biological mother or not
1: so you're you're if i hear your point you're, you're you're saying dr hill is like going back to what tim was saying fathers must be deliberate and intentional in being in their kids life despite the barriers that may be presented to them they have to be i have to stay this path and i'm going to be involved in my kids life despite how many obstacles or challenges that might be with the mother of the child I have to be intentional. and I must be constant about my energy and my dedication to that. Right? I believe that.
4: You, right? you got to break the cycle, man. You got to break the cycle because basically, you know, when right. you grow up and you say, "Hey, listen, I'm uh, mad at my dad because my dad wasn't there," and when I grow older, I'm going to be a good father. And so many people may say that, but mm-hmm. in actuality, they repeat the cycle. Yes, sir. So now there's some people saying, "Man, I knew what it was like firsthand. And now since I have my child." There's no way I'm going to make sure that my child experienced that hurt, that pain, that frustration that I experienced. So no matter what happens with the relationship, I'm going to be present and let my child know that they're loved, that there's no fault of their own, and I'm going to be there through thick and thin, no matter what. All
1: right. Fair enough. Let's close out with one final thought from you, Dr. Hill. We appreciate your time. This has been good. Hopefully that we, we, we have given our audience some stuff to think about. I know clearly we're, we're, we're processing some things. So you've been married 24 years now to your beautiful wife. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. You have two, you have two beautiful daughters?
4: Yes. Yes.
1: Tell us, even even in spite of all the success you have, what struggle do you still walk through and have to deal with and have to find a way to navigate space, even for yourself? A man who's very educated, who understands the challenges of trauma, understand the barriers that are created, what, what do you still have to wrestle with within your own self as, as a
4: man? We need spaces like this where we can talk, where we can be real. We need opportunities where, you know, I don't have to carry everything, you know, that not only do I give advice or information, But also, I need times where I lean on my brothers and say, man, and I need, uh, I think Ken talked about this earlier, an accountability partner, where someone say, hey, man, you're wrong. You know, you you need to apologize, you know, or, or, you know, uh, uh, I I disagree with you. So instead of folks patting you on the back and saying how great you are, you need those real conversations. And it's, I'm thankful that I have uh, some brothers that i don't have to talk to an ongoing basis but when we connect we can really be real and a- another point i want to make too that this struggle and i started out with talking about being a black man in this society is traumatic you know so so how do we be resilient and and how and and i think how we do it is uh, nobody's coming to rescue us so how can we create supportive networks. So I'm glad that you've started this podcast, you brothers started this podcast because our land is in need of healing. And, and and I think this, we need to have healing spaces where we can talk, where we can be real, we can take off the pretense and, and, and we can laugh and we can joke, but we can also uh, uh, be men of character, men of substance, men of integrity. And uh, Marin Wright Edelman says, we need to work to make this world a better place than we found it.
2: All right, hey, I have a question, real quickly. I know that um, there are folks that are listening to us. If if someone was interested in learning more about, you know, establishing a more secure perspective around masculinity and, and black men, how how can they get in touch with you? I'm sure you speak. I'm sure you hold some type of forms. How can someone get in touch with you if they wanted to learn more about what you're talking about?
4: Um, I have. I've sent. They can email me. Uh, my email address is ahill at college, uh, dot edu. Ahill at dot edu. Um, And that's, we can start an email exchange there. I do um, give talks on healthy masculinity, also uh, self care, how do we sort of take care of ourselves, also youth development. And um, I'm also uh, an educational consultant, so really working with the youth and really empowering youth to see the value, importance, and significance of education to to really help them uh, lead successful lives. All right. Well, Dr. Hill, we want to thank you for coming out,
1: brother, for blessing us with this time. We're going to bring you back because the next topic we're going to have with you is how to create healing spaces. Mm -hmm. I heard that tonight. That's going to be powerful. We look forward to continuing the conversation. Much love to you and you. Yours. We appreciate well, you. Well, thank you, running.
4: brothers. I appreciate you. I applaud this work. This is this is gonna be transformative and this is something that's well needed. So I applaud all you brothers for this idea and disseminating this information. This is really transformational and life changing. So thank you for having me. Right. Thanks
3: for joining us, Dr. L. Thank Thanks you. for coming on.
4: All right, God bless. On. Take care, brothers. Bye-bye, my
1: man. Peace be with you.